podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to your watch with the LFC Day Trippers. I'm your host, Keith Plunkett. Tonight, I'm joined by Chris Brack and Connor. Give me a second and again here, Connor. I'm going to make a bollocks of this. McCockerty. McCockerty, exactly. There you go. There you go. You know, that's how I pronounce it from an Irish point of view, but I know the English people have different pronunciations for these names, these common sense Irish names, but, you know, we didn't want to... I'd just say Connor. Yeah, well, that's like <laughs> half your second name, Chris. So I didn't. I felt they needed to give Connor the full walks. Um, I'm not happy. This these games going to extra time and penals, lads. And we're only starting a show at ten to eleven. But it is what it is. This is the world we live in, and there's nothing we can do about it. So, look, boys. Thanks for coming on. We'll have a chat. We'll have a look back at the last week, really. So the quarterfinals, and we'll look back at tonight's uh, semi-final. And look ahead to the England game tomorrow, the other semi-final. So, um, gentlemen, how are you? Uh, Connor, I'll start with you. Are you enjoying the Euros? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm a bit devastated that it's coming to an end, actually. Uh, it's been sort of relentless football non-stop for the last couple of weeks. And uh, every game seemingly has been a top, top quality. Um, for the last couple of weeks, they've, I think, s- sort of steadily got better um as the sort of lesser teams have dropped out quality's improved i mean you just have to look at tonight some of the quality of football on show is exceptional end-to-end stuff real composure from some of the players in midfield especially nice tactical battles as well um so yeah disappointed that it's coming to an end but hopefully we'll have a nice climax in the next couple of days and towards the weekend Indeed, indeed. Chris, what about yourself? Happy enough for how it's panning out? Are you in the same camp as Connor? I think it's been a high-quality tournament um, where the cream is starting to rise to the top. I'm not sure if, it, I'm not sure if it's high-quality. I think it's been high entertainment because there's mm. been some absolutely manic moments. I mean, both goalkeepers tonight uh, were trying to do a carrier. Yeah, they were trying to ki- they were trying to kick it in for the other team. You know, there were, there were those moments, but. There have been some high quality moments. I think it's been quite entertaining, though. I've got, I have enjoyed the games. Most of the games have been, even some of the England, even the section of the England game, have actually been all, have actually been all right. Um, you know, but we are sort of seeing, and it, is, it does seem to be a tactic is if you're quite defensively sound, you tend to get to the semis of the final. The more free flow and attacking side, they're all getting picked off because they're not they're not clever enough defensively. It's not pretty, but actually, if you're a bit more solid and a bit dull it does tend to get you through because even Italy tonight, I thought reverted to type a little bit and went, we're going to sit deep and we're going to go counter-attack, which is what Italy have done for forever. And it played into Spain's hands because Spain, to me tonight, had all the ball and no one to score. You know, and it sort of played, it sort of played into their hands, really. Um, yeah, it's a good point that Chris makes, Connor, isn't it? That it's um, the defensive, defensive solidity seems to be coming through in this. And if we look at the teams that, Got into the quarterfinals. Um, Belgium played Italy. Belgium were a solid enough defensive team. Italy have been absolutely rock solid. That was uh, one of the quarterfinals, the fourth one. Um, Italy went through there 2 1. 
people were talking about it at the time as a, a game of the tournament, the, the world number one against the, probably the informed team. I mean, it's the 30 odd games now that Italy are unbeaten in. Um, do you feel that game lived up to the, the billing of the, of the big one so far? I think so. I think Belgium were ever so slightly underwhelming. Um, yeah. But perhaps that's just because Italy nullified their their talents. I mean, they lost Azard, and I don't think De Bruyne had his most influential game, perhaps recovering slightly from that knock he picked up uh, in the previous game. But I thought Italy were excellent and have continued to be throughout this entire tournament, really. They have looked like the standout team from day dot from the first game. They've They've been incredibly impressive. Um, and I think you're right in that that success is built on a foundation of defensive solidity. Um, you know, they set up with an incredibly resolute defence, as Italian teams have always typically done, um, yeah. with some real sort of solidity in midfield. Jorginho has looked excellent this entire tournament. What about that for a penalty to wrap it up tonight as well? Um, but yeah, quality quality performances from them all round, really, I think. Yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah. I don't think De Bruyne was fitting this um, the Belgium game. I, I said it on one of our shows before. I think as a world number one, I'm I find Belgium a bit of an underwhelming team. You know, I don't think they're they, they seem to be one of these teams, and England were sort of like this as well previously. Other teams as well, where they they fly through qualification games or uh, groups and and they rack up their points in the coefficient and they get to number one. But I never, if it's the Euros and anyone can win it, but I never felt Belgium were really good enough to win this tournament. So, you know, you look at their defence, they were solid enough. Courtois really, since Courtois left Chelsea, and I know you're a Chelsea fan, Connor, he's really stepped it up a bit, you know, and he was a good keeper with you. I'm not saying he wasn't, but he seemed to have lost his way a bit and went to Madrid and it didn't initially happen for him, but he, he, he's, he's excellent again. And he was the one that I thought, you know, Alderweireld, Vermaelen, Vertonghen, an experienced back three, but an agent back three. And I, I just felt that they, they didn't really have the the same solidity that Italy maybe had at their back. But Belgium in Lukaku had, in my opinion, Maybe the the only striker, big striker, who maybe showed up at the Euros. People would say Kane. Oh, I don't think Kane is being great. People say um, the other uh, Schick, but Schick isn't top quality. Schick has been good, but he's, he wouldn't be the top drawer. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it was it, the game itself. If you look at Belgium and Italy, I mean, it some great goals in it. You know, the, the, the two Italian goals are two excellent goals. They, they, they battered Belgium in the first half. Belgium get a penalty and the onslaught never really came. Um, Chris, did you feel Belgium were, were were underwhelming in this or do you think Italy just sort of managed the game well? I've said it before, Belgium are the Leicester City of international football. They're, they're round, they're, those there, thereabouts always talked up but never quite there at the end points. Um I, I expected Italy to go through. I thought they would. Uh, I just thought their their experience and their know how would 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 tell through. Uh, De Bruyne clearly isn't fit. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a talk about now that he's got he's da- he was playing with a damaged ankle ligaments. Which if you're a city if you're a city fan, you'd be you'd be tearing your hair. Out. I mean, yeah, look, I mean, we had it with Abby Kate. He, he was playing yeah. the Afcon with a torn thigh. And then yeah. you wonder, you know, I mean, that's not the two weeks into an eight-week injury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Really yeah. You know, so you'd be tearing your head. I mean, look, 
Icky De Bruyne, you know why he's playing. It's, it's a chance to get to a semi-final. You know, it's, it's probably the last time he's going to get to a semi-final. Um, uh, Ali A says the more Spurs said no, because no one talks about Spurs winning. Uh, but people talk about, people have been talking about Leicester, you know, being breaking into the top four. So Belgium, they've always been that side that you thought people keep saying the dark horses are going to do this. I, I, I kind of think that team's run its cycle now. Yeah. I think all the key players they need now are getting to 30 or getting to the wrong side of 30. They're going to have to start another cycle again. It's whether they can get, you know, another cycle of that crop through. I'm yeah. not convinced. So, no, uh, my concern for Italy was I went to Spitzola. Uh, he ruptures Achilles, hasn't he? Yeah. And I, and, and, I did, and I did wonder tonight, we'll go to tonight's game, was Emerson's not the same level. No, and I did think that was, a, that was a um, an area of weakness then for... Uh, Spain and other clubs to uh, go at go at Italy because Spitzola is different level compared to Emerson with great respect. So, no, I, I've been impressed with it. But Italy, I think, have got they were very free free flowing in the group stages, but they have now gone back to a bit more of the Italian pragmatic approach. They're just very electric now on the break, which is very un-Italian. Yeah, uh, before we move off, Kevin Sullivan says Docky was that bright light, and that's it. I think they've they've young players there coming through, but it's a, it's a big bridge, isn't it, between the potential that they have coming through and the experience of a you know a golden generation. We've seen this with Portugal before as well, who had a golden generation in the nineties, and you know it takes time for this to 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 bridge that gap. But anyway. Italy go through there and they face Spain tonight because Spain beat Switzerland in the other quarter final on that side of the draw. Um, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to say something that might be a bit controversial. Shakiri was on was on track to be the player of the tournament in this, right? Because I genuinely think, I genuinely think he was one of the most exciting players in the tournament. Now, fitness. Like I didn't down. think I'd be saying that about Jordan Shakiri in the Euros and I'm saying this not as a oh, Liverpool Jordan Shakiri because I just think it, it's increasing the price tag for <laughs> him to be sold on do you know what I mean I'm not trying to hype up a Liverpool player but I was surprised that uh, you know the the level of consistency Shakiri puts out for Switzerland his fitness is an issue Chris you're right there but he always seems to be available for them and never for yeah. us you yeah. know, he's, he's it look a different player, isn't he? When yeah. he pulls on that Swiss jersey, I mean, he's allowed to play as a ten. Behind, he's, he's allowed yeah. to play a free roll in the ten behind two strikers, which Liverpool don't play that way. You know, if we played four two three one, we do that. But like you said, his fitness can't be relied on. And to be honest, he's a bit like Lalana when he first signed for Liverpool. He's great until seventy, but he, even seen for Switzerland in every game this whole when he hits seventy, he's done. He's absolutely mm. done. And as soon as they went down to 10 men, you were going, well, that Shakiri ain't, Shakiri ain't lasting much longer. Which is a shame, because if, if he was a little bit fitter, he could have been a bit, he could have been influenced. I mean, I, I think Spain got away with it a little bit against Switzerland. For all, and people tell me they dominated the ball, they were this, they were that. There was, the keeper really properly got worked, I thought, in extra time. Uh, and that's mainly because they went down to 10 men. And in the, the send off's farcical. But, you know, Interestingly, uh, the game that an English referee is in charge with uh, VAR, it all goes a bit tits up, which, you know, there's, there's, there's a correlation there. I'm sure, you know, we'll, we'll get used to that when the Premier League starts again. Yeah, yeah, he'll have tunk it, he'll have tunk it. But um, Barry Devon, he puts up there, big shell keep, nowhere near there, most surprising maybe. And the point I'm sort of getting at with this, um, Conor will come to you, is I don't think there's been many stars in this tournament. Do you know what I mean? I think this, it, it sounds a bit stupid, but I think, you know, Obviously, right. I think Jorginho and 
the Italian defence have been amazing. I did think Locatelli was excellent until he was replaced then by Verratti. I think uh, Pedri has been one of the best players in the tournament, but there hasn't really been that standout star that we've had in other tournaments. And that's what I was sort of getting at, that, you know, this tournament hasn't had the big superstar. I mean, Raheem Sterling scored three goals for England. I think he's been poor in most of his games. Not a dig at Sterling. I just don't think, you know, there's been that sort of fantastic player of this tournament yet. Um, did, Did you feel that... Do you feel, sorry, that there's still two games to go now? Who who do you think is going to grab the tournament by the scruff of the neck, Connor? Is there anyone that you think can, we can remember this tournament for at this stage? Well, well, I think anyone who gets a decisive goal or creates a decisive moment in the semis or the final creates their own legacy. There are still opportunities for that to arise. But I think you're right in that um, the sort of the standout teams or the teams that, the, that have progressed so far They've been, you know, it's, the entire thing's been underpinned by the team synergy. Um, you haven't really had a standout player. You look at Italy, you know, everyone was expecting Insignia maybe to be there, their standout guy, the guy who creates those or provides those moments in the final third. Not sure he's, although he's looked good at times and in glimpses, he hasn't really turned it on for certain, you know, standout moments. England, everyone expected Harry Kane to have the tournament that really sold his move to City. Or, or elsewhere. I mean, fine, if he can turn it on for the knockout stages, I'd be happy for him to score own goals for the entire group stage if he was going to yeah. turn it on for the quarter semis in the final. Fine. So there's still an opportunity for him to create create a legacy for himself uh, that can go down in history. But personally, I, I don't really see it. I don't see an opportunity for, for someone to be the standout player of this tournament. I'm struggling really to pick out a, um, a player of the tournament, to be honest. Of course, it depends on the winner. Uh, perhaps, you know, it'll follow that trend of centre-backs or, or the sort of linchpin of the defensive unit getting all the recognition. Uh, maybe even if England win it, Harry Maguire could be an outside chance. I think since he's come back into the side, he has looked exceptional. Um, I'd say against Ukraine, he was deservedly man of the match. Um, looked exceptional against Germany as well. Yeah, I wouldn't, um, say he was not, I wouldn't say he was man of the match against Ukraine. Who'd you give it to? Uh, I thought Shaw and Sterling were more impressive. Mm-hmm. I, well, I, think, think, I, think, I, I think on the quiet Shaw's had a very good tournament I mean look, we, as Liverpool fans we love to take the mickey out of United fan but you've got to give him credit he's actually probably been one of our most informed left backs this year mm-hmm. definitely definitely. In fairness, him, in fairness to him yeah yeah I'd have him in, in the top sort of three left backs in the world on form at the moment uh, just before I get any pelters I'd have Robbo up there as well mm-hmm. um, but I think I think Maguire bringing him back into the team is that final push, provided that final push that the English team needed. If he wasn't there against Germany, perhaps it could have been a different story. Um, but I, I agree with something that Keith said earlier. I think that Sterling, although he's had his moments and he's delivered in those moments, which is all you can ask from an attacking player, I don't think his all-round game has had the contribution that you know perhaps mm. we've been looking for or, or needed in certain, certain occasions. But goals, it, win games. Yeah. Yeah. He's got... He still has got better in the clutch moments, I would say, which has always been a, a criticism of him. You know, he in the clutch moments, he's he, you know he's renowned for missing or picking the wrong pass. He's probably got a bit better in this tournament of picking the pass when you need it. You know, but he's all right. Obviously, his all round game hasn't been quite right. I mean, you know, we're a mullow miss away from all going. Jesus Christ, Sterling, what happened there? Yeah, you know, that's really, it's been that kind of it's been that kind of tournament. 
it, it's one of them um, Connor was dead right there it depends who wins the tournament and what the narrative will be because if England managed to win this tournament nobody's going to remember in 10 years time that you know Raheem Sterling didn't have a great tournament if you look back and he's coming out with five goals six goals for the tournament do you know what I mean so they, it, it, it's all about getting over the line and and Connor mentioned Harry Maguire there we give Harry Maguire a fair amount of stick on here um Harry Maguire is a good player and he's a good leader and he gets a lot of stick because he's an 80 million pound player and That's it's unfair to, it's, it is what kills him and it it's, unfair to, him. it's unfair to put you know price tags on players because they don't make their own price tag but ultimately then you get thrown in with Virgil van Dijk and we see this with Ruben Diaz as well you know it's mm. he's better than van Dijk he's better than van Dijk if England are going through this tournament with Mings or Cody or Ben Boy or whoever else it is, you'd worry more. You'd be very, very worried. John Stones as the leader of the defence alongside one of them would would have me sort of saying they're there to be had. Harry Maguire has solidified them. You know, he brings leadership, he brings organisation. He's not as bad as, as maybe we all make out. And he is giving them that, you know, he's giving them that, solidity that we're saying Italy have that you know the good teams in this tournament have had and we'll go to the England game now the Spain and, and thing it, it goes to penos you know some some poor penos in there it leads sets up the semi-final that we watched tonight but if we look on the other side and we go to England now so they beat the Ukraine 4-0 a great win for them only game away from Wembley they go to Rome they play the Ukraine the Ukraine in all fairness not really up to much. It, it's a nice draw for England, but you have to win the match and they get the perfect start. Right. So, yeah. The, four um, minutes, Chris, take it away. Yeah. Four minutes in, you know, Sterling, to his credit, you know, it's a nice reverse pass through to Kane and Kane just dinks it over the keeper. I mean, the keeper makes it, you know, makes it his decision for him because he goes down so early. But it's a perfect start for, for England and. You kind of th- you kind of feel with England out about if they get a lead against that type of opposition, they normally no. see it out. Um, my my thing with England has always been it's normally against this type of opposition, Iceland or Ukraine, where England really just start to um, they make hard work of teams they shouldn't do. That this was quite professional. I mean, look, everyone I've heard I've, I've heard all the shouts for England. It's a pub side. It's a crap side. You played no one. You couldn't beat what's in front of you, and all England does is beating everyone they've played professionally. There's not more as you can do. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Yeah. Um, if you're obviously a big England fan, you know, Kane getting off the mark's probably what you want. You want your talisman off the mark because, you know, Rashford again and comes to the bench, he's more of a wide forward. So he is your main, he is your main man. You know, Dov, uh, Calvert-Lewin is quite unproven at international level. So it's a risk if you've got, if you've got to rely on him to come on to win your game. So for England, that's what you want. Uh, they probably made a bit of hard work of it, I'll be honest, after that, you know, Pickford kept us busy, but you know, we kept them fairly quiet. And then the it was, second half was the same goal after was it five minutes? Um, yeah, no, one minute, 46. What, yeah. what, one minute, yeah, sorry. Uh, minute great, great ball in. Harry Maguire can't miss. I mean, that's another thing Maguire has given England is before that, they haven't got a set piece goal. And that was their mainstay for the previous World Cup was set piece goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, love of legs and Harry Maguire is you know is dominant for corners, and that's kind of what you need. And it was pretty comfortable. It was pretty comfortable after that. Then uh, and then obviously for Liverpool fans, you know, Henson came on, did well. You know, they were able to protect Rice and Phillips, so they didn't get any more uh, yellow cards, so they weren't suspended for the semis. Um, 
Henderson showed what he can do, which is it's not what people think, which is the crab passes. It is forward passes. It is progressive. It is keeping them honest. Uh, and it's probably the first time in probably since 2006 I've actually cheered an England goal properly, like a Liverpool goal, because it was obviously my club captain scoring his first goal for England, which is quite nice to see. Is that his first goal for England? First ever yeah. goal for England. Uh, I don't really follow it too much, to be honest, lads. Um, I'm not a big international football fan. I like more South American, Copa America stuff myself, but I, I don't really follow England, to be honest. So I, I didn't realise it was his first goal. Um, it, it was a, a comprehensive win. And, and Connor, you know, England take it away from the Ukraine at the start of the second half. So he scored on 46. Kane gets another one on 50. And it, the game's over then at that stage. I mean... I don't know, I think Chris might have said, you know, if you scored early against a team like Ukraine, England are not going to get beaten. But they really did take it away from them. And by 63, then Henderson gets the goal. It turned into a nice run out for England, didn't it? It was no pressure quarter final, And they didn't pick up any injuries, did they? No, I don't think so. No, no injuries, no suspensions when we, we could well have done. We had a few yeah. on yellows. Both uh, pivot players and Maguire, I think, were both... Uh, susceptible to a suspension in the next game. So they did well to avoid that. I mean, you said it yourself, both of you guys, the early goal is is the decisive thing here. You know, playing in these in these latter stages, players are inevitably going to feel nerves, especially when you have the entire weight of expectation of a nation on your shoulders. Yeah. Um, and, you know, no one more so than England. So I think that early goal from Harry Kane really settled things. Um, he needed that as well. You know, he did score against Germany late on to wrap the game up, but it's good to see that he's starting to come into his own. I think his movement looked a lot sharper as well in that Ukraine game. And I, th- I think in the earlier stages, I don't think he would have even made that run in behind. Um, but yeah. y- you mentioned it, the Ukraine team, I think that their course was run really. I think we got slightly lucky in the, um, in the round of 16 game that, um, I mean, it was an, an absolute unequivocal red card, in my opinion. Um, but I, I think we got lucky that that Swedish defender uh, got sent off because I think they looked the most threatening team. I think that was a real sort of pivotal moment for mm. them in that round of 16 game, and it really flipped it. Um, and and Ukraine managed to dominate and get a late goal in, the, in extra time. Um, I think if Sweden came through, they would have been more of a match. Who knows? It's all hypothetical. Yeah, it's um, maybe Exactly. But um, yeah, we did well, managed the expectations well. And now you're at the stage where you've got two games left to play. I think the Danes will be our biggest test. Uh, I think they've looked pretty exceptional, actually. They've by far been the sort of surprise team for me, especially against Wales. I was incredibly impressed. I remember looking up at the at the scoreboard, watching them play, thinking this feels like a 90th minute sequence where they're just knocking it around the back. There's no press. They're completely comfortable in all phases of the pitch. And it was 67 minutes on the clock. They were dominant from the very first minute. So, um, nice remains- segue, Connor, nice segue. We'll go on to the, the Denmark check game. So, um, mm-hmm. it was, it was a, another good win. Two teams, you know, the Czechs, I think, maybe lucky to get where they were. Maybe um, haven't uh, the bits I've seen of them haven't been overly impressed with them. I thought Schick has has done okay as a centre forward in the tournament, but overall, I don't think they were that great. But Denmark again, an early goal, and early goals seem to be you know decisive in this tournament, as we've said, a lot of strong defences and. 
Uh, Denmark are up after five minutes, I think. Yeah, five minutes. Tommy Delaney must be Irish, that fella. Um, scores mm. and gets them off the mark. And Even though it should have been a goal kick, which obviously was the big fuss about that goal. Yeah. Horrendous defending. Absolutely horrendous defending. It was. It was terrible. It was terrible. But they go into the, the, set, the uh, start the game, five minutes, score a goal. Close to half time, get a second. And you're just thinking, that, like, in this tournament, the size of times to get goals, early goal and a goal before half time, you think they're going to put it to bed. But then the Czechs pull one back in the second half. Shit gets one um, about five minutes into the second half. <sighs> it was an impressive game. But what I sort of want to move on to is injuries in the tournament are starting to take their toll. And I think England have been actually very lucky. Not not lucky. I mean, you don't get luck by picking up injuries or whatever. But they haven't really lost many, whereas the other teams are seeing players dropping like flyers. People mentioned Spinazzola earlier going for the mm. Indian. You know, that there's players going off. Um, do you think the fitness of this England squad will see them through, especially against the Danes? The Danes, to me, seem to be running on adrenaline because of the Christian Eriksen uh, thing that happened at the very start. They look buoyant. They look buoyant together by the fact that, you know, that their talisman, their 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 main player, their creative fulcrum nearly nearly dies on the pitch in the first game, you know, and everything then just seems to be sporting them on. Is momentum going to be enough for Denmark to get them past this England team? And Connor will ask you that. Um I think I think Potentially, yes. I mean, we, we forget that this is only two games and you're right. I think they are riding an emotional wave, um, but that's not to downplay from the quality of their team. They've got a, they've got a really good call. Um, Schmeichel in goal, good player. Kier and Christensen at the back are quality. Um, their front line. Yeah, exactly. They've got they've got some real talent at the back and, and that is where the foundations lie for a success in an international tournament. We've seen that all the way through. Um, their their attacking line is where it remains to be seen. I think Brathwaite, um, Dolberg, Poulsen, players like that, not especially clinical or you know high scoring players, um, but they've they've managed to convert their chances. They've had some standout players. I think both wing backs, Myler and Striga Larsson, have looked really good. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah, to answer the question, I think with only two games to go. Anything can happen. You know, you get through a semi and then anything can happen in a final. So I, I think they could potentially do it. Um, but it, it does, yeah, it remains to be seen. Yeah, Chris, I mean, um, before we, we'll come back to the England-Denmark game in a second, actually. We'll talk about the semi-final that was on tonight. So we had Italy and Spain. Um, I've been hugely impressed with Italy from the start. They're the team that I've supported the way through I, I'd love Italy in any way but they, they're the team they're the most balanced team in my opinion they look up for a um, up for a scrappy win or, or if they try to play expansive they can play expansive Spain have played the tic-a-tac stuff but this Spanish team it doesn't really excite me because you know you've got a guy in goal Luno Simon I don't think he's I don't How think bad? he's great How he's a bit seven? mad how bad's David the head if he's getting picked out of him? Yeah. It's like a do you have the old do you have the old FIFA games where you press the wrong button and the keeper run off. He's like that. Yeah. He's <laughs> like you need to put him on, on like an Alazi band to keep him on the line because some of the runs he was doing off his line, he, he was going to no man's land. So like look, he's an okay keeper, but Spain just look like what they are. 
a very good side with no striker, no striker of any quality. If they had with what they've had in the past, David Villa or a Fernando Torres, they'd be fine. Yeah, but the, the goalkeeper is a good point on the keep because the Hay is on the bench. We have man Robert Sanchez off. Brighton is on the bench as well. They're that goalkeepers. And Spain, I know you can't help who the, the personnel are, but you know, in the World Cups and all before, they're going in with, with Casillas and Victor Valdez and Pepe Reina is the distant third. Yeah. And he's just in there as the bleeding, the morale booster in the dressing room. You know, we talk about the attacking talent dying away in this Spanish team, but the goalkeeping, it's a dead yeah. goalkeeping. And, and Conor will know with Kepa as well. Like, you know, great. Sure you have nightmares over him. But there seems to be an issue there at, in, in goal for uh, Spain he also, at the moment. He also knows who his best centre back partnership is. He kept yeah. If it was, it was Laporte plus sometimes Eric Garcia, who I think Italy targeted a bit. And then it was yeah. Pau Torres, who I think is probably the better out of the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he did well for Villarreal in the in the Lancia Europa League final, uh, but he, he's not got that settled either. They're still relying on an aging Aspilicueta, who's been a brilliant player. But you know, I mean, how old's Aspilicueta now? Thirty-one, oh, I think. I think thirty-one. Oh, I thought he was old. That's Forty-one. Yeah, I was about forty-four. I You think he's older than he is? But you know, there's no one, no one really pushing Aspilicueta. Uh, but I just look at their attack and just think, like, you know, I was look at their bench going. You've got Amanda Traore as well. Your bench options. Mm-hmm. I think that, Jeez, I think they, sh- they should have utilised him a lot more, Adama. Especially tonight, I think he should have come on really early. Um, did he get any games? Did he come on at all? He, he no. came on late against uh, late against Slovakia, but they were about four nil up by that time. Yeah. Um, and I think he was preparing to come on at the end of today's game, but I, I don't think he made an appearance, did he? Tonight? No, he no. didn't. I'm just checking it. Yeah, Slovakia is the only one he got on. Yeah, which is which is crazy because he has such a niche at yeah. being able to just you know beat a defender. He, he's not got the greatest yeah. decision making, um, no. you know, and and sort of capabilities to find a pass or whatever. But you know, he's a unique player and a unique skill set. And if yeah. you utilize him properly, it can be devastating. Will you bring him if you're not going to? you know, utilise them in any way. And that's the thing about Spain in this tournament that that it's been a bit frustrating, you know. Luis Enrique only brought 24 players and he could have brought 26, right? But that's been well documented. Um, just, throw, just throw two kids on the bench. Just, just the, you know, two, two fellas out with the under-21s if needs be. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it was a strange one. And he brought Thiago, right? We love Thiago. Um, me and Chris, not so much. Connor, right? We love Thiago on, you know, a Liverpool glasses on. But even before that, like, geez, Thiago's mm. a class act in midfield. He's a bit part player in the Spanish team. Do you know what I mean? So it, the, the, the inconsistency with the selections of Enrique has been a bit mad. Mm. Connor, Chris touches on it there. You know, the centre-back pairings, chopping and changing all the time. Aspilicueta comes in then and he's playing right back because Llorente is the other option and he's a midfielder uh, but he's all of a sudden the right back for Spain um, Koke, Busquets and Pedri start in midfield that's decent yeah that's a good a good midfield you can't really argue with that but up top for me right so Fernand Torres Oyar Atabal and Danny Olmo again it's chopping and changing you know, mm. it's the consistency just isn't there in, in this Spanish team, and it just seemed an absolute mad, mad, mad comp- uh, tournament from Enrique. Yeah, I think they've. Um, I think you're you're right. They've got some. There's been some strange selections. I think with international football, managers typically have favourites uh, that yeah. they stick with. For some reason, I know Ramos had injury problems towards the end of the season. I would have taken him 
even if it was just for morale and for team spirit and leadership purposes. I don't think you can have three starting centre-backs being Pau Torres, um, Laporte and Garcia. Yeah. I think I think Garcia just looked out of place the entire game today. I mean, like it looks like a lad who's not played a lot of football. Yeah, of course, and he hasn't. Um, I think mm. maybe his stature is... Um, is sort of misleading. But he can't be. He's not over six foot, is he? Sort of five eleven, something like that. He looks not, out of place, yeah, um, not, and he's not Cannavaro, is he? Who who was could get away with being that short? Of course, he had a so, he, Cannavaro had a leap on him. Um, Garcia remains to be seen, but I think um, Pau Torres came on and he was playing line breaking passes. He looked dominant in the air. I mean, and to go with Laporte, who I thought was the man of the match today, I thought he was pretty exceptional. Um, a strange decision to leave him out for such important games towards the latter stages. You're right, the midfield, I think Busquets has to be there. Um, and I think Pedri, standout young player of the tournament. Nothing more needs to be said about him. Only 18 years old. He's going to be a big, big talent. Koke, I would have played Thiago over him. Um, it's, ma- it's mad they brought uh, Rodri on for, as first change instead yeah, of Thiago. Yeah. In, a ga- in a game where you're going... It, um, Spain couldn't get a foot on the ball at times in terms of to play a decisive pass against the, against the team that just basically were happy to defend. Uh, and admittedly, when Tiago came on, I don't get the best of games. Nah, but it, but in, but in general, you know, if you give him time on the time on the pitch, you know, he would have he probably would have given more of a chance. Now, whether someone like uh, Morata can take it is a different matter. I mean, Gerard Moreno's been a bit. Hasn't had the best of tournament, but actually was really good for Villarreal. This mm-hmm. this one's actually why you selected, but he's been a bit underwhelming as well. I mean, Morata is Morata. He could score the goal he does, but then he'll miss absolute sitters. Yeah, and I think I think um, again it comes back to Adama Traore. I think he's an excellent squad option to have tonight. Maybe I know they hooked Athletiqueta halfway through and brought on Llorente to provide maybe a bit more attacking impetus. But why not bring on Adama at right back if you're if you're trying to go out all out for the game? in the last sort of 20 minutes of extra time. Why not bring him on at right wing? You know, Murata's strength, we all know when it gets to his feet and he's got time to think about it, sometimes he fluffs his lines. Aerially, he's an exceptional finisher. You've got Adama, you know, we saw that adama Raul Jimenez link up a couple of years ago. That could have been emulated, I think, with, mm-hmm. with Adama and, and Murata this tournament, but didn't happen. And now they're out. Yeah, Luis Enrique knows better than us, apparently. If he watches this show, I think he'll find he doesn't. Um, Subscriber, a big big contributor. Yeah, I heard he's. I hope you hit the like button. Um, by the way, anyone who's watching us tonight, don't forget to hit that like button, hit the subscribe. Um, you won't regret it. That's all I would say. We put out top quality content all the time, and we appreciate all the support we get. But tonight was all about Italy. Um, in my opinion, I've said it already, I feel they're the most balanced team. And the reason I say that... I look at England and we'll talk about them in a minute. I see, you know, I see a goalkeeper in Pickford that, and again, this could be a bias coming out because we, we've seen him before and we know what he does, but he's a keeper that I don't think has been tested. And I'm waiting on the, the waiting okay. on him to drop the bollock. You know what I mean? Yeah. That he inevitably will drop. He did, try it. It. He did try against Ukraine to, do, to drop the bollock. I, yeah. think a four, I think a 4-0, I think he tried his best. 
But you know what? A high profile one, you know what I mean? You can mm. drop one at four nil and you'll get away with it. Um but I just think and that's been maybe me being harsh on, on Pickford, you know, England haven't conceded a goal. <laughs> like it's it's not a weakness. But you know, I think you know, there's there's areas that a good team can exploit with England. I think Royce is poor. I think um Calvin Phillips is a good player, but you know, I think that as a midfield pivot, it can careful be got that. at. Just my say careful now. Joe's in the chat, he'll be after. I you. know Joe's in the chat. Yeah, I, I seen him in there and I don't care. Joe Calvin Phillips is a good player. I'll give you that one. Declan Royce, not so much. And I know he's an ex Chelsea man and he's been linked again with Chelsea, Connor, but you're not having it. He's terrible. Uh we don't like him over here and anyway, so um I'm throwing him under the bus. But now in all seriousness, I just think there's a couple of um you know, the, the attack for England hasn't sparked yet, in my opinion, but they get a 4-0 win and Kane gets a couple of goals and Sterling's getting getting there as well. But I just think Italy, as a unit, Donnarumma has impressed me in goal. I think he's a very, very good goalkeeper. He's only 22. He's, we, we keep saying it. He's in the Milan team since he's 16 or 17. He, he feels like he's been around for absolute eternity. And he's a big unit and, and he looks so composed in goal. So, you know, you start at the back with Italy and they have that. The defence... Do you think he's had a good tournament? I think he's been good. Yeah, I think he's been good. I don't think he's been exceptional, but I think he's been I think he's been good. I found him erratic, uh, especially, with the, especially with the ball at his feet. But just some decision made for crossing has just been a very odd. Shot stopping-wise, no problem with it. You know, yeah, he's got he's got that he's got that you know what I mean? he's got that Schmeichel bill where you just think Christ, how'd you get past that? He's a big fucker. Well, he yeah. is, he's a unit, and he's he does have that sort of, um, you know, how do you get by him? Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe he's a bit lax with his with his distribution, but in general, I think he's been uh, I think he's been good. You know, I think he's had a decent tournament. Um, Kevin Sullivan says it there under pressure his distribution is poor he's, he's amazed Spain didn't press him more and that's what the other semi-finals mm. will have to look at doing. but in front of him right, you've got in my opinion <laughs> Chiellini and Benucci is one of the best centre-half partnerships in my lifetime right they're so so fucking tough the two of them they've been around they know each other uh you know, they've played together at club level. They've played together at international level. I just think they complement each other. Well, and even though they're getting older, they're still excellent, excellent players. And something that uh, Connor said, you know, about Sergio Ramos, he might not have had the best year for Spain, but his leadership and his experience in the back alongside Laporte might have made a difference for this Spanish team because there's been players, Pepe is another one at Portugal, 38. He's still playing and looking good. You know, the, the centre-backs have been really good in this tournament. But Italy lost Spinazzola in that last game. And your boy, Connor Emerson Palmieri, comes in. He's a bit of a con man, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got a few elements to his game, but I don't think he's um, he's much of an all-rounder. Um, and the thing and is, I, I don't. I'll just jump in. I don't watch much of them. The bits I've seen at Chelsea has been I mean, impressed me. So nobody, so, yeah, no, nobody Chelsea, watches Chelsea, much of them. Chelsea yeah. doesn't watch them either. Exactly, yeah. exactly. He's sort of our third choice left back. I mean, at times this season, Tuchel's played him as sort of the the left centre back in a three. Um, and I think that that is testament to his sort of lack of um, boldness. I don't think he's adventurous at all on the ball. He doesn't take risks. You saw it a couple of times in in today's game. Early on, that chance for I can't remember who was running through. 
Um, he had an opportunity to play a ball in the first 10 minutes mm. um, and, and draw out Simon. Um, and he just, he just sort of waited a little too long and didn't play the pass at the right time. And it was given as offside. Same thing happened a couple of times earlier. Um, I think he had a one-on-one, just hesitated slightly. And I think that's what Spinazzola brings is that little bit of conviction to make yeah. a decision, to provide a little bit of, little bit of impetus, a little bit of something, maybe a bold risk or something um, that just, you know, opens the game up or, or confuses the opponent. Something that Emerson just is, he's a safe player. So I think he held him back slightly in that regard. Yeah. Um, Di Lorenzo again, he's, he's okay on the other side, but um, Jeremiah pops a comment in here and it's interesting. He believe, genuinely believe England can seriously damage Italy on the wings. And it is sort of looking like that is an area now of, as I've said about the best balanced team, if you get the does, ball. yeah. But if you if you get the ball and you get it quickly to whether it's I, I don't know who's going to play. You know, if they get to a final, is it going to be Sterling and it won't be folding? I'd say it's going to be. It's even Sancho or Grealish. You'd say you were the thought. Saka is he back or is he really out? Or what's the story? I don't know. I think he picked up a nickel, didn't he? So yeah, but, it was just a knock. I think, yeah, but well, what I mean is, he can get the ball of Italy because yeah. actually, you know, mm-hmm. I would say their midfield is better in possession than That's the two we've late. got, especially with especially Rice. But yeah, uh, I think I think it will play into England's hands slightly. I mean, we we've set up with these two deeper pivot midfielders, Rice and Phillips, with Rice sitting a bit deeper and Phillips roaming a little bit more, um, more being a bit more adventurous. But I think Italy's problem with ball retention, they've got great ball retention in the middle, Jorginho, Verratti, and um, whether it's Barella or Locatelli, they're, they're fine keeping the ball. But it's when, once they get it out wide to Insigne, uh, Berardi, Chiesa, players like that, that's when you initiate the press and that's when you can turn it over. And by, mm. by, by setting up, as England do, with their defensive sort of, depends if we play a five at the back with the two pivot or a four, with that back five. I hope, uh, I hope, no, I, I hope well, the player four. I hope we play a four. I don't like the three. No, I don't think so. I think I think we'll probably play a five against Denmark to match them up uh, tomorrow. But I think, yeah, I, th- I think against Italy, that's when you can initiate that press, and that's when we can they can be vulnerable. Turning it over, you know, deep in our pitch, and then breaking with speed, I think will will provide some problems for them. Um, Chris touched on it there about the getting the ball off that midfield, and and to me, it's it's. I love the Italian defense, but the Italian midfield unit has been the most impressive for me throughout the tournament. I think the mix, the variety, because we started off in the groups, and I thought Locatelli was the standout player of that that um, maybe the whole tournament at that stage, and now he's on the bench because. Marco Verratti is just coming back in and you know what a player to have in there and if you are looking to keep the ball a Jorginho and Verratti with Barella running and pushing and then you've also got the option to bring in a Locatelli you can bring in um, Pessina or one of these other guys off the bench that uh, Brian Cristante as well you know there's, there's so many options that they have and I, I touched on the England midfield earlier because I, I do rate Calvin Phillips I think he's good um, I don't rate Declan Rice and I just think if those Italian midfielders can get in around him I think Italy can put England under pressure that way we will, we will come on to the potential of England in a second but as a unit how impressed have you been with the midfielders Chris I'll come to you Italian midfielders. Yeah, the Italian midfield. 
yeah, very impressed. You know, um, you could see Jorginho with with the right base around him, what he can do, because obviously on the ball, Jorginho can hurt a lot of teams, and defensively, he's been quite good. Uh, Barella, I hadn't seen loads of him before this tournament. Um, He just looked fantastic. Uh, I've I've enjoyed watching the Italians play. Uh, And going on for the midfield, uh, Chiesa, uh, the Juventus wide man, just looks brilliant. Uh, I'm actually surprised he's not played as much as he... I probably think he should have played a bit more. Yeah, because uh, I think I think it's been really good for Italy. I think it gives them something a bit different. He does. He's that bit of creativity, Connor, isn't he? And you know, mm-hmm. Italy seem to have those options as well in those wide areas with Chiesa, with Insigne, with Berardi, and um, Bernadeschi. But centrally, they don't have a centre forward war to play in. No, and they brought on. Um, well, they took off Immobile quite early today and brought yeah. on. Um, was it Berardi? Berardi. Yeah, yeah, they brought on Bilotti quite late, a bit later on, um, who I thought had a horrible game. Um, Yeah, Berardi, 62. Yeah, so they brought on Berardi, who was okay, had a couple nice touches, made some dangerous runs. I think Berardi, if we were to compare to an English equivalent, would be Sterling. Great runs in behind. He can be a dangerous, dangerous player, but in his all-round contribution to the game can be often frustrating. Bilotti, I thought, was very poor today, and I think... um, has been for the last. That's been yeah. polite. Yeah, I know there was an there was an opportunity. I mean, he's lucky that they got through, but there was an opportunity to play someone through down the right hand side. I think it was Chiesa, um, and he just completely fluffed his lines. Really easy pass. Happened a few times, um, but you're right. That depth in the middle is really impressive. They have all sorts of profiles. Um, you know, Verratti and Locatelli. And Jorginho, you're right saying that Jorginho needs the right support cast for him to flourish. And if he's got that support cast, he can be an exceptional player. They provide that in abundance with with depth, with players like Pessino on the bench as well to come back into the fold. So, yeah, it's a dangerous area for them. I don't think their lack of centre-forward hinders them too much, especially in international football. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out in the next couple of games. Yeah, and you can see where the goals are sort of coming from with them. You know, it's the it is the wide forwards sort of Chiesa cutting in on onto his uh, good foot, Berardi, Insigne. You know, they they are the threat in those wide areas. And when you have a guy like Barella as well, who's just constantly supporting, supporting, supporting. You know, it, it it's a nice blend that they have going on. It, but it does feel like Italy. It does feel like Italy are clinical, as in they yeah. don't seem to create a lot, but we do mm-hmm. seem to be. Anyway, look tonight. It only took them what. A few shots and they were and they were they scored were expanded like twenty shots to even work the keeper. Yeah. So as much as I don't rate either of the two centre forwards they've got, uh, I don't think they're quite at the level. But they it, it just it's it's a system that just seems to work where it seems to always fall to a Chiesa or an Insignia, basically the player you want it to fall to, you know. And that's not an accident. That's obviously a, by design, you know, because they have got probably the, I would say the best coach in the uh, the tournament, which is probably what's going to help them. You know, so, so whoever plays Italy in the final is going to have a really, really tough game. Yeah, true. Um, you're right there, Chris. I just checked. So Italy had seven shots, four on target. Um, Spain had 16 shots, five on target. You know, it's... It, they are a bit clinical, Connor. Aren't the Italians in that there? They're maybe not creating as much, but they're, they're trying to take as many as they can or at least walk the you know, walk the opportunities as best they can. Um, and that's what got them through tonight. They went, they took a lead, uh, an excellent goal in fairness by Chiesa. Um, 
even though Simon's a bit positioning, probably a bit dodgy on uh, from the Spanish point of view, but they they take a lead. They looked a bit. They looked to be getting in behind the Spanish for a period there. Then after that, there was a few little through balls and a few little um, decisive passes that just didn't come off for them really. Uh, but then Spain get a chance. Spain were decent tonight and they get a chance and it falls to Morata and we say, <laughs> you said it, I think, Connor, that, you know, if he has time to think about these things, forget about it. But when it drops to him like that, he is quite a decent finisher and obviously as a Chelsea fan, you would have seen him a lot more, you know, than, than we would. <sighs> Do you feel that Morata as a centre-forward was maybe... I don't know who else they have in, in reserve, but did they Italy ever stand a chance? I was saying about Bellotti and Immobile not being top quality centre forwards for uh, Italy. I don't think they hinder Italy, whereas I do think Morata probably hindered Spain. Or am I being too harsh? Uh, hindsight is obviously twenty twenty, um, And I think looking back on it, I think picking Oyarzabal was an awful decision. I mean, he didn't look good in any of his, in any of his sort of um, cameo appearances throughout the tournament. And it, and that sort of all came to fruition tonight. I thought he could have had a hat-trick probably. Um, he had a, a real set of really nice chances that he could have put away. I think with Morata, he's an interesting player. And I think I probably would have started him. Um, I think he creates dangerous opportunities and, you know, often he misses them. But the fact that he's continually creating, it, it's a, it is a cliche, but the fact that he's continually getting these chances shows that he's doing something right. His movement is exceptional. Perhaps his confidence wasn't there. And it's a shame. It's, I really did feel bad for him when he missed that penalty because he's just a culmination of everything. Um, but I think, I think, I wouldn't say that he hinders Spain because they don't have any sort of alternative that would that would sort of help them in any more well any more so than than he did um so it's a tough one i don't like moreno through the middle i think he's an inside forward goal scoring inside forward maybe they could have played for a false nine don't know if they have that profile in their team um it's a tricky one but i think i think i still would have gone for for morata up top regardless of it, of his sort of confidence and goal scoring issues Almo plays, doesn't he, as the false nine tonight? And uh, he's an up and down player, Danny Almo. I thought he was decent tonight in the in the false nine. I thought he was he was okay, but you know, you're you're spot on. Hindsight's a wonderful thing um, to to slam her at after they go out. I just don't feel as I don't know. His, his hold up play isn't great. I, I don't know what it is about. Him. I just can't. He's he's got an excellent agent, put it that way, because the the moves that fella has got for his ability and the price tags, like I think he went on an eighteen million loan to Juventus this season. You know the 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 money that people have paid that I've seen something in Morata that I don't look. I'm not a uh, you know, I'm not some expert scout by any stretch of the imagination. He's got a brilliant agent. Yeah, brilliant agent, brilliant head of hair. Yeah, almost as good as Chupa uh, Mungtang's agent. Yeah, I think he, mm-hmm. he's he's also up there as agents to get players, clubs that you they probably shouldn't get anywhere near, really. But I, I do think he's doing something right. I mean, it's it's not an accident that he's played at uh, what is it, Real, Juventus twice, Atletico, Chelsea. You know, yeah. they're top teams who put you know a lot of emphasis on analytics and scouting and things like that. There's mm-hmm. something there's something there. He's clearly lacking in a sort of confidence capacity. Um, 
I think he's a, I think he's he's a good first change striker. I don't think he's a he's I don't think he's a Legion Lions striker. I think whenever he did well, like when he did well at Real Madrid, he was coming off the bench or he was the the alternative. Uh, probably similar when he's first into Juventus. I think when he's the out and out, you're the number one, you're the main number nine for us. I just don't think it works for him, and I don't mm-hmm. think he ha- I don't think he handles the pressure it fairly fairly well at all. You're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. He's got twenty that, that, goals in all comps for Juve this season. You know who's mm-hmm. he's doing something right. He's doing something right. I'd be interested how many of those are starts or how many of those are coming off the bench for you know Raldo or uh, Dybala when when they're both fit. Yeah, I would say I still think he's probably their like first reserve. It's not a bad first reserve. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I think a few of those came up against weaker opposition as well. And you're right, Keith. Late impact subs in the Champions League. I know he got. A, I think he got a brace or a hat trick against Ferenc Varos in the yeah. Champions League. You know, Hungarian six goals team. in the Champions League. Yeah, and I think four of them were against Ferenc Varos <laughs> in the in the in the group stages. A Hungarian team. He really, you know, wouldn't put up much. So, yeah, stats can always be deceptive. Um, but I, I do think he's a slightly misleading player in that, you know, you see the the reels of all his misses and, you know, you see the confidence issues and the body language. I think body language plays a huge part in the way we we analyse players on the on the face of it. I think he's slightly misunderstood. But yeah, you're right. He, he does have some huge deficiencies in his game that certainly need work if he's to be the number one at a, at a top tier club. Yeah. Look, it can be harsh on him, you know what I mean? It's not his fault. There's no other Spanish strikers and he's the one that's leading the line. But, you know, it goes to penos. Um the they start off, um, Locatelli steps up, terrible peno in fairness, a very easy one to save. Uh, then I think Almo comes up and last one over the bar, still looking for the ball, I'd say now. Charlie Adams it. Yeah, yeah, it gives it a Chaz Adam or and uh then the panels get a bit better, you know. You've mm. fucking Benucci pinging one in as well. You've Tiago rolling one, and it comes to Morata. And unfortunately for him, you know, it, he's it, it didn't. It just felt like he was going to mess. It didn't look mm-hmm. confident. Yeah, it, it looked very telegraphed. It's it, it's a sort of penalty. If if Benucci took that penalty, you'd have gone. Well, he's a centre back. That's kind of. They don't want confidence. Um, and I think he'd scored as well. So he thought he probably felt quite confident pinging a pen in, you know, because Gerard Moreno, I, th- I thought, would barely one for Spain because that's what he does for Villarreal as well. But it's a lot of penalty misses in this tournament. I mean, regardless of shootouts, it has been a tournament for a pretty crap penalty taken. Yeah. Um, it has, like, there's, there's been some nice penalties. Yeah. In general, the, the quality of them have been a bit. Bit wayward, mm. Jorginho steps up and and does the Jorginho penalty that himself and that he invented, but Bruno Fernandez gets the credit for. You never think he's going to miss. He's one of the, I know he's he has missed penalties, he missed one against us um, for Chelsea, but he's he such a no taker, isn't he? Like and and Connor, I know as a Chelsea fan, you'd you'd know more than we would, but he's he's an excellent penalty taker, and when you see a player like that stepping up. It's a tail of two, probably penalty. You know, Murata is going up, and even though he scores, you still think there's a confidence issue. You don't get that with Jorginho. You're 100% thinking this is going to go in. Absolutely. Absolutely. You say it spot on there. Um, it is all about the mentality. I think there's there's two aspects to taking penalties it's your technique. Can you place it in the corner? Can you hit it with pace? And, you know, your, your mental aspect can you cope with the pressure? And nothing more so than a European Championship semi-finals. And he's, he's got both, clearly. Um, you're right. I do... 
I don't know, maybe I'm old school, but I prefer someone to come up and just leather it uh, than do the hop, skip and jump and place it in the corner, wait for the keeper to move. I know all that is sort of in vogue at the moment, but yeah, that's, that's when, what we it, like. when it goes wrong, it looks bleeding terrible. Yeah. <laughs> that's what and we, it's that's like what... a penenka, isn't it? Like it, it looks great, but if a if yeah. keeper just stays still. That's why we mm-hmm. love James Milner. Is a no-nonsense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd have someone like Harry Kane, yeah. Frank Lampard, the type who just run up to it and just let yeah. it in the top bag. Short enough run, just blade mm-hmm. and smack it in and, and don't mm-hmm. worry about the aesthetics of it all. Yeah. But Italy go through. It wasn't their most impressive game tonight, but in fairness, it, it, a semi-final win against Spain, even if it's not a great Spanish team, it's it's still a good still victory. Impressive. You know, it's impressive nonetheless. And it puts them into the final, lads, and it brings us then to the other semi-final semi-final on tomorrow your team lads your boys um, they play Denmark it's back at Wembley is it again that pitch mm. looked a bit crap there tonight as well it's I don't know it doesn't look the best it, yeah it's a lot of games getting played on it over a, a short enough period of time but I don't think it's going to really impact England tomorrow um, are you confident I'll, I'll start with you Chris are you confident for England going into this game no and don't be fake nervous do you know what I mean just no, be honest. No, no, not not confident. I mean, on paper, you'd say England could go through, but I've seen many of England sides that make this sort of thing hard work, and I do think Denmark are going to be a lot tougher than people think. They're probably the bit of the kryptonite for England because they will defend well, but they have got talents on the on the break, and um, so it's probably a little bit of a Premier League style game. This, so hopefully that'll suit England. I mean, look, they have confidence. The, the real test for England will be if they concede first, because uh, obviously we haven't conceded yet. We haven't seen what England do when they go behind or they got some adversity. Because um, at the moment we've always man- they've always managed to get ahead, and then they seem to have found a very good way of managing games once they're ahead. So, um, I think England will, will get through, but I think it will be very very tight. I'm you know I'm thinking like a a two one. It wouldn't even surprise me we went to extra time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't I worry about yourself. Yeah, I feel, I feel the same. I think this, uh, I alluded to earlier, I think it will be our biggest test so far. Um, I think we had a favourable group. I think we had a German side, maybe out of form slightly, uh, maybe didn't have the confidence that a German side typically plays with. And we've, you know, you can't downplay the impact of playing all four of your opening games at your national stadium. I know Denmark did the same thing. Um, yeah. I read somewhere that all four semi-finalists had played their opening four games at their home stadium, which, you know, read into that as you will. Um, but I think, you know, we have got the Wembley support there tomorrow. But, yeah, I think the Danes will offer our biggest test yet. Mm, they're resolute defensively. They've got some uh, some good talents in the centre of the park. And then they uh, it remains to be seen as to whether they can be clinical up top. I do think... We could hurt them, but I think uh, we won't be afforded the same amount of space that we were against Ukraine. I mean, that's a given. Players like Simon Kier, Christensen, Yannick Vestergaard, players like that, they won't allow Harry Kane to be drifting in and out and finding pockets. They will be tight on him. Anytime he drops, one of them will push up on him. Um, I think the opportunity for us lies within the wide spaces. They they play with attacking wing-backs. It's not a five-back, it's a three-back. No, Striga, Larsen and... Myler push forward and effectively play as wingers on the outside of their front three. The front three, their wide ones tend to drop into the middle. Um, they've got sort of inside forwards there. So I think those spaces can be 
attacked, um, capitalized on. But, you know, conversely, we need to be solid at the back. And I think the, the best way to combat that, in my opinion, would be to play a back five, whether we do or not. Who knows? But um, I'm, I'm confident, I'd say. But I am aware of their capabilities. Um, my prediction would probably be I'm going to go nil-nil with a one-nil England winning extra time. Yeah, very good, very good. And Chris touched on it there. It'd be interesting if Denmark were to take the lead or even score the goal. You think of like, you know, Ivan Drago in Rocky Four. Once he gets cut, you know what I mean? The head is gone. And England have been good, but they haven't been tested. And and you're, you touched on something there, Connor. You know, they're a solid team, this Danish team. You look and they don't have a star player as such because Christian Eriksen is unfortunately not there. But when you look at their, what their team will probably be, Kasper Schmeigel is a solid goalkeeper. That back three is is a good unit. Christensen, um, Vestigard, and Kier is a is a good back three and used to playing in a back three. And you know it's it's it, it's it's a solid enough unit. And Delaney and Hoiberg in front of them as well. You know it, it's not like it's three at the back, two attacking fullbacks, and then the, the boys at centre half are left on their own because Hoiberg and Delaney will give them that bit of cover in there. Mele has been one of the most impressive players in the tournament for me. Um, you can see why he's gone to Atalanta. He's not maybe the, the yeah, standard type of uh, of player. And, and Gasparini loves that type of um, free spirit at Atalanta. I'm surprised a big club in Atalanta haven't gone for him, to be honest. The witch? Uh, my, the, the guy from Atalanta, I'm surprised someone bigger than Atalanta haven't tried to get him because he's. Yeah, he, well, he was at Genk or Ghent or something, wasn't he? And he went mm. and, and it's a, it's the type of thing they do all the time, you know, they, they'll pick up these players and, and they look like good players. But I want to get to the front three lads of Denmark and, and, you know, Yusuf Paulson, I don't think, I don't see starting in the game. I think Kaspar Dahlberg has come in from nowhere and scored three goals. He's not, uh, you know, he's not going to strike fear into the England defence. Martin Brightweight has been an absolute disaster for Barcelona every time I've seen him. I, th- I think he looks so uh, fish out of water in that squad. But he looks better in the Danish squad and he looks to be a bit of a, a spark plug for them mm-hmm. in their attack. But the one I want to come to, lads, it, it's Mikkel da- Damsgaard. Right? Mikkel Damsgaard is a young guy, Sampdoria, and he has sort of been one of the biggest surprises of the tournament for me. He's a player that I would, you know, I think could cause England problems because I can see him getting in around. I know I've slated Declan Rice already. But I can see him getting in around them pockets, you know, and putting pressure on Rice in the sort of holding midfield role and getting in between him and the the, the back four. I think he's the danger man for Denmark tomorrow. Um, do you agree or do you disagree? Is is it more a team ethic or do you, who do you think causes the most issues for England, if anyone for the, from the Danish side? Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Damsgaard is the, is the danger man to look out for. Uh, but it, it does depend on how England choose to nullify his threat. You know, he's got considerable threat. And he's sort of one of those inside forwards that we're seeing more and more of in the game that come in. They're efficient with their dribbling, chance creation. Not necessarily the best scorer or striker of a ball in the world. But what they'll do is they'll they'll create chaos in it. They'll draw men out um, and uns, uns sort of, uh, unsta- destabilise uh, a back line whether we can be organized in bringing one man out of our five, which I think will play a five against Denmark 
Um, if he plays on the right, that'll be Harry Maguire tracking the man into midfield. Whether we can do that enough or whether we'll leave that up to someone like Rice, um, you know, I think that can be the sort of determining factor as to whether we can effectively nullify his threat. If we leave that up to Rice, who's not the most mobile player, I will happily admit, even though I would love to see him at Chelsea, back at Chelsea. Um, if if we can bring a centre-half into midfield to sort of close those areas that he operates in, those central areas where he can pick a pass, then I think his threat can be nullified. If not, I agree with you. I think he's the man to watch out for, the man that can create all the danger. You mentioned going with the the back five there, Connor. Give us your, your, what you'd line up with. What, what are you going with? Sure. Well, well, I think Pickford obviously is a given in goal and I think the back three um, kind of picks itself. Uh, I'd go for Walker, Stones, Maguire. I think Walker does that job excellently of being able to push up into mat- midfield, provide athleticism to go back and forward, back and forward and provide an overlap on, on the right-hand side. Um, personally, I'd pick Reese James as the right wing back. He's played in that system, that 3-4-3, to great effect this season. Champions League winner, can't say it enough. Um, but Southgate has his favourites and Trippier is one of those provide set-piece threats. So maybe maybe you'll Let go with him. Yeah, Champions League, the league. Uh, can they be compared? Yeah. Who knows? Um, and then and then Luke Shaw is obviously a given at left back. I'd stick with the two pivot, Phillips and Rice in midfield. And then the attacking trio is where it gets, uh, gets interesting. Kane's a, a guaranteed starter, as is Sterling. One remaining spot up for grabs. Personally, for me, it's got to be uh, got to be Jack Grealish. I think he just creates uncertainty, instability in a back line, creates chances, runs at men, does things that other players wouldn't. He's bold, he's adventurous, he creates chances. I don't think I don't think you can argue against against. So you don't impact. have Mason Mount in the team. No, no, I don't. If we start with a five, I wouldn't start with Mount. Uh, if we start with a four, I would as that extra man in midfield yeah. uh, to complement Phillips and Rice. Um, interesting, yeah. Um, I personally look Jack Grealish is a great player, but I think he sees him as a, an impact soul. But if anything, I, if he did go with the three at the back, he'd probably, you, you can never tell, he might go with Saka for his fucking defensive um, <laughs> capabilities, you know. And that's the thing with Selke is that sort of the fear of defeat rather than going out and winning so it'll be interesting to see if he does line up Chris do you see him going with a four at the back or do you think he might try and sort of throw in a back three do you think it's it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me we went for a back three because he is a more conservative manager I personally think he should stick with a four four at the back two holders and do four two three one or four three three depending which way it falls Um, that's what I would do I'd Back four wise, I'd keep sure Maguire, Stones, Pickford, they're all fine. Me personally, I would start Trippier at right back over Walker because I think Walker's been dog shit most of the tournament. Uh, I think he's got absolute brain farts in him. And if I was Denmark, I would target Walker because you know he's got a mistake in him and you know you can get behind him. He doesn't. Walker is one of those because he's got so much pace, he gets away with it. Yeah. But he's got no awareness of what's around him at all. I think he'll stick with the, the two of Rice and. Uh, Phillips because it's the two that's gotten to a semi-final so it'd be a bit harsh you're not going to change, it, there, gonna change no. it if it was me you know I think we look a better side generally with Henderson in with next to de- next to uh, Phillips because I think I, the game Rice hasn't done it for me 
you know, so, but I think he seems to like Henderson off for the last half hour. And in fairness to Henderson, he'd look quite good as the uh, mature head to come on for the last half hour to close games out. Uh, and then the debate then is, it seems to like Mount, and in first amount, he's had a good, he's had a good um, season. You know, you can't, you can't knock him. So it wouldn't surprise me if it was Mount. And then front three, I agree. I think he'll probably go Sterling, Kane, and I think if he's fit, he'll throw Saka in. Yeah. If he's fit, and I think he'll use Grealish as a last twenty-five minute. But I personally would start Grealish because I think perhaps we need that little bit of a something different. Um, but I think Southgate prefers him as a impact last half hour player, which is not the worst option to have. But yeah. that's what I would go. I would personally yeah. go for back four. Tired legs, and you're bringing on a Jack Grealish mm. who can run and can win fouls and win free kicks. Yeah, it makes sense. I just about Mason Mount. Like, I think Mason Mount's probably the best young player in that squad. I think he's an absolutely exceptional footballer. I'd have him in the team all day, every day, ahead of even if it's down to Grealish. I'd, I'd get Mount in the team. I think he's so clever with the ball. I think he's a brilliant player. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And I know you have said you both probably think it's it's going to go to penalty, oh not penalty, sorry, extra time and maybe England to nick it. Um, which it says up for final. Is it coming home, lads? No idea. Absolutely. Without doubt. Not sitting on the fence like Chris. Absolutely. Yeah. Without doubt. It's coming home. You I it. knew you were going to be a lot more forceful on that, Connor. Um, well, look, it's probably because Connor gives more of a shit than I do. That's yeah. probably the problem. <laughs> Almost definitely. <laughs> but now, look, it's, it's set up nicely because you did touch on it, Connor. All the games at Wembley, except for the one and the final being there as well, it's such a big psychological thing to have your home, your familiarity and all that. And I think, you know, it's it's a huge plus. It's a chance to win a tournament. It's the England's best chance to win a tournament, you know, ever. Uh, people say 96, like, you know, the Germany were a good team in 96 as well. You well, know, they had to get 90, past a good team. Well, with the way 96, well, so whoever won that semi-final was probably winning the final. As good as that Czech yeah. side was, it wasn't as good as the other two sides. No. So this yeah, does give exactly. It is England's best opportunity, but I mean, this is an Italian side that's conceded three goals in the tournaments, and before that, I don't think they conceded for like fourteen yeah, games. Yeah, thirteen games. Yeah. So you know, they've only ever, I think they've conceded twice once in the last eighteen months, and that yeah. was against that was against Austria. Oh, no, so it wasn't against one. So you know, but the worry is the the injuries that the Italians are picking up now. You know, it, it could come to come back to haunt them. So look, it'll be interesting. Um, but they've got a feel of that. Do you know, the Chelsea side that won in. Um, Munich, lost, yeah, that's it. They, when they had a lot of key players out, it seemed to suit yeah. them. A bit like United in '99. Sometimes when you lose key players and it, in those sort of fights, it galvanizes you. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Very true. Very true. So, um, anyway, that's our, our roundup. Before we finish up, lads, because it's fucking late, it's nearly, nearly twelve o'clock. Um, I just want to mention. I just want to mention uh, the Copa America is on the world. Uh, I just want to mention um, the Siena steps. So I don't. I'm sure people have seen. Anyone follows us on Twitter may have seen the tweet we put out earlier about our new sort of initiative to help um, to get Siena. Siena's a young girl. She's only three. She's uh, got a form of cerebral palsy, and to get the treatment that she needs to get her walking, uh, it's it's in America and it's costing a lot of money. I think there's 120,000 euros the target, and and they're getting there. There's loads of people are doing great things, but the lads have come up with a, a novel thing to try and help, and we're going to try and get people to pay one euro to buy a virtual seat at Anfield, and what we're looking to do is just to sell 53,000 
virtual one euro tickets to help get the, this little girl a chance. It's not about the LFC day trippers. It's not about Liverpool. This is about helping a three-year-old girl get a chance. Gav has said it on the show to, to aim to get this little girl walking into school on her first day is what we're looking to do. Um, we, we were unashamedly sort of pushing this agenda. We won't apologize. People probably get bored. Oh, we don't want to hear about this. We don't want to, but look, we think this is a great cause and it's something that we're going to keep back in. But the tickets are now on sale and you can just pay one euro one euro and boys just see you know you're not going to Anfield just to clarify you don't get tickets to a game you don't get tickets to anything you're just paying for a virtual seat to fill the capacity of Anfield share this share the message spread the word you know buy a seat if you can spread it buy 10 seats if you can just spread the message spread the word if everyone got involved and just pay the euro I think we'd help this little girl get to our target and that's what we're hoping to do so if everyone can just go on to the LFC DT website the information is all in there how you can support and how you can back it we would appreciate any help as I said you know it's a euro we know we're not asking people to you know people are struggling for money we're not going to do it I'm not Bob Geldof I'm not coming on here saying give me your money I sort of am but I'm not really you're not swearing but yeah I do a bit of swearing as well but I'll try and cut back on this but we're just looking for people to give a euro right give a euro if everyone gives a euro I think it'll get the girl where she needs to be. So spreading the word is just as important. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to be a Liverpool fan. You don't have to be an LFC Day Trippers fan. Do you know what I mean? It's just to help a little girl uh, get get a chance, giving her a chance at, at, a, at a good life. And that's all we're looking to do. So get on, support that. You know, it's... It's so you'll find all the information on the, the website, the LFC DT website. Um, it's all in there. It'll be all over Twitter. We're all posting it. We're all sharing it. Any help is greatly appreciated with that. So we really appreciate people going in and, and trying to get us over the line with this. We'd appreciate it, but I think Sienna and our family would really appreciate mm. it. You know, if, if we can help in any small way, we're always happy to do that. So look, get on and do it. Oh, if all, there we go. If all our Twitter, if all our followers on Twitter bought a ticket each, we'd sell out with loads to spare. Do you know what I mean? So look, if people can just throw in an L Euro, why not? And uh, we'll try and get people shared and as many people, high profile people, we'll try and get loads of people to share this message. Because as I said there, it's not about us. It's not about Liverpool fans. It's not about the LFC Day Trippers. It's about Siena. We just happen to support this. Um, before we go, Ali A, is there a watch along for the Copa America tonight? That would be Grizz and Avi if they were doing it. I'm only coming out of retirement to do the final. And I'm only doing it if Argentina get there. So um, I don't know if the lads are doing a watch along on it tonight. Maybe they are. They, them two like to stay up till all hours. Um, I can't confirm at this stage whether they're doing it or not. But we will be doing one on Saturday night for the final. So that will be good crack. Um, but look, enough of this football talk. Uh, Chris, thank you very much for joining me tonight. Welcome, mate. Anytime. Good stuff, Connor. Thank you again. It's great to have you on. Uh, you're going to be becoming more of a familiar face around these parts uh, as the new season progresses. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure to uh, to be on. I'm off to uh, give Abby a ring because I know he turns into yeah. a bit of an emotional wreck when uh, when Spain lose. So uh, He does, yeah, he does. <laughs> it's a pray for Abby type of thing when, when mm-hmm. the Spanish lose. But um, look, it, it's great to have you on. It'll be interesting to, to, to hear your views when it's Premier League, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, the, the Chelsea angle from a, a Premier League stuff. So mm-hmm. I look forward to that in the future and getting you on and having a few uh, good conversations around that. So look, lads, uh, as you said, we've been the LFC Day 
Championship was support Sienna. That's all we're asking. People to go on. Anyone that follows us, just go on and pay. We're not asking you to buy a hundred tickets, although you can. We're just asking you to buy a ticket. You know what I mean? So get on and support that cause. We would really appreciate it. So look, I've been your host, and we will see you again soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.